Hi, Tim. Hey, Ash. Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall, where we engage in stimulating conversations about ways that we can promote positive change in musical theater. Happy 2020, Tim, and everyone yes. out there. Happy 2020. It is a new year, new energy, new inspiration. We are ready to take on 2020 with lots of energy. And we just came back from a weekend at the Musical Theater Educators Alliance Conference. So shout out to everybody that is listening that went to the conference. It was so wonderful to see everybody listen to all of the exciting panels and presentations. Tim and I actually presented about this podcast and the advocacy that we are trying to encourage others to do in the classroom, in the rehearsal room, and just everybody involved in this industry. And we are coming back from this conference just so refreshed and so fulfilled uh, that we're looking forward to taking on the next uh, chapter of our creative journeys uh, with all this new wealth of information that we received from our conference down in San Diego. So major shout out to MTA. Uh, We look forward to our next conference next, uh, whenever it happens. Yeah, next year, next January in New York. So what puzzler do you have for us today, Tim? Okay, are you ready? What musical won the Tony Award for Best Musical in 1984? Do you have a hint for us? Sure, I'll give you a hint. It competed with Sunday in the Park with George. Oh, Mm. I remember this Tony Awards acceptance speech. Yeah, because we talk a little (laughs) bit about this in our empty history classes. The subtle subtle little controversy, but nothing too big. But we'll come back at the end of this episode and we'll discover that answer together. So what's in the news this week? A few things I wanted to mention. First off is that Jake Gyllenhaal has just recently announced that he secured the rights to produce a film adaptation. Again, another film adaptation. We talked about this many times Mm -hmm. in December of the Tony Award winning musical Fun Home. Which I'm actually really excited about because you are actually uh, getting ready to perform this show. You're in rehearsals right now. I am. I am. I literally, whereas we're recording this, I literally just came off rehearsal. Literally just came home. (laughs) rehearsal. Yay. You're home. Let's record this podcast. (laughs) Um, Yes. And so he is also going to star in this production, um, this film adaptation Mm -hmm. of Fun Home as Bruce. Yeah. And we're going to be really excited to see um, if this does actually get confirmed because I think it's it's slightly rumor, slightly truth right now. Uh, it sort of sounds confirmed, but you never know with news these of days. Course. The news and can always change. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what other cast members will be joining Jake Gyllenhaal uh, for this show. I'm really curious to see who they announce as the role of Allison. And I just think it's amazing that I know we keep saying a lot of film adaptations and it's over and over and same thing. But what's so wonderful is that now we're seeing musicals being Mm-hmm. being um, conveyed and being brought into the homes of people that perhaps would not be able to go see a Broadway show or a regional theater show or a touring production. And especially with Fun Home, it's such a, a story that we need to talk about right now. Oh, we need absolutely. to hear and see. And I was actually talking to some friends at MTA uh, this weekend about this very thing. And we, you know, we were talking about how you know some shows hit the mark, some shows don't uh, that get mm-hmm. adapted to film. But... How exciting is it that we're seeing more theater, more musicals produced and turned into films? And this is just engaging audiences who wouldn't be exposed to live musical theater uh, to the musical theater experience. So I think this is a really positive thing. Whether the shows work or not, we're Mm -hmm. having a larger conversation about the musical theater experience. And I was just even thinking right now, because we have many international um, professors and folks that Mm -hmm. came to the conference from Australia and um, Asia and, and China. China. And what's wonderful is that 
they may not have the opportunity to get to New York or to the the states where these musicals are being performed. And mm-hmm. so they have more access That's no right. matter where they are in the world. It's really exciting. Also, of course, we have to note that Jerry Herman, the late, great Jerry Herman, just passed away, and he was 88 years old. And what a career, what a life. I mean, if you if you know the name Jerry Herman, you know the name is synonymous with so many amazing musicals throughout the history of musical theater, uh, so many songs from his show. His songbook is just incredible, and it's a really sad chapter in, in musical theater to, to lose someone like him, but... His memory lives on in his shows. And if you don't know Jerry Herman, check out his musicals. So, of course, the most famous one is Hello, Dolly. Mm -hmm. But we also have La Cage, Mm -hmm. which is another wonderful um, moment in musical theater history. We also have Mame as well. Mame, yes. Many, many different shows that Jerry Herman wrote. So just check out if you don't know any of his works. But we just wanted to note. Yeah. Jerry Herman. Also, there are many shows that just closed on Broadway. So January 5th, we saw um, the closing of Waitress, the Mm -hmm. musical. Oh. I know. Tootsie, the musical. Mm -hmm. Percy Jackson, the Lightning Thief musical, which was just a limited run. Correct. And then Fiddler um, on the the Roof, which was the Yiddish version. That's right. And all of these shows recently just close. And it's sad. I mean, I have a warm spot in my heart for Waitress. Uh, We finally got to see it last year and... I'm just sad to see it, but I'm also excited to see this show live on in regional theater. And I'm excited to get my hands on it and direct it at some point. (laughs) Me too. Somebody should produce it and let you direct it and let me star in it. That's right. You'll be Jenna. I'll direct (laughs) it. We'll be good to go. I started to think about with the closing of these musicals, it is extremely challenging as not only an actor, but as a designer a director, a Mm -hmm. choreographer, a musical director, people that are working on these shows backstage, on stage, all of the crew, all the designers and the assistants and the, and everybody that's a part of a show that takes, makes a show work, musicians. When a show closes, it's the ending of that job. Yeah, that's right. And how do we avoid the burnout that we, that we really acquire from a, a, a job that we're at quite often and mm-hmm. that we keep continuing to go back how do we avoid that burnout and how do we stay fresh and ready for the next job because let's be honest after a show closes we're like oh my god what the heck do i do now to make money what's That's next right. what is next it's always the next question mm-hmm. and we always hate that after we <laughs> at, at the end of a show and you're outside and he's like so what's next and you're oh, like oh that is the most cursed question oh, you could ever ask a performer so what are you working on next what's next for you and everybody i'm we, going home and well, eating french fries and a big mac that's what i'm doing <laughs> next okay so shut it <laughs> so how do we avoid burnout and this was actually a panel or not panel this was a presentation mm-hmm. that was given at mtea it was a fantastic pre- presentation uh delivered by brian smallwood at uh, james madison university huge shout out to you brian fantastic presentation i mm-hmm. cannot wait for your book to come out i am going to be first in line to get it because this is such an important topic that you know I think we all think about both as educators, as professionals, and as actors, uh, and conversations that need to to have because um, you know we are seeing major burnout happen both in the workplace and professionally in the in the creative arena. So the first question I wanted to ask is how do we avoid burnout in an educational setting? So not only for faculty. But for students as well, when Mm -hmm. we're in classes all day 
and then we're going into rehearsal and then we're going home and, and students have jobs. What are some actions that we can take as educators and even students, mm-hmm. if you have any thoughts, to avoid burnout? The first thing I think is to look at your load, your teaching load. And many of us are, you know, come from a tradition of working so hard as performers coming up in the tradition of being a performer. We want to work, work, work. We want to be champions. We want to, you know, keep adding new initiatives to our programs. But at the same time, we have to look at how much we're actually physically and mentally taking on. And, you know, at my school where I teach, our, our, our required load, basic load for teaching is 15 units. And that can usually, it comes in the following forms. Usually we teach four classes and direct a show. Uh, that's at the two-year system. And I don't know how that, how, and I know some other schools are, are 12 units and, and those units are broken up differently. But I think that going above and beyond that overload that is not required, I think you need to look at that. And you need to ask yourself, am I capable this particular semester or this quarter of taking on that much overload? And is it better for me? Am I better served for my mental and physical health to just maintain a minimum load of teaching schedules so that I don't burn out and I don't get exhausted? So something that's always we always talk about, and this came up at our conference too. So if I do the minimum load, mm-hmm. min- minimum load, I still have to do committees, right. and I have to go to conferences, and, and I hours. have to do office hours, and I have students that I want to help. So how do I avoid that burnout? Even with I'm just teaching the classes, but all that other work we all know. Is, and it's, is an add-on. It's just what we have to do. I think finding an escape of some kind. Get your. Uh, we live in California, so we have the sunshine. So we have we are afforded the ability to get outside and go and have an hour, have two hours of time. If you are in control of your schedule, finding a block of time in the middle of your workload so that you can escape from your grind. And you can get out, take a walk, go have a coffee, uh, enjoy the sunshine. If you're in a particular part of the country that unfortunately is in snow or, uh, you know, you're in a colder climate, finding some kind of activity that is not of the theater that you can do, a creative outlet or just some some simple outlet that takes you away from what you are currently doing. Meditation is also a great thing you can do for yourself as well. What about a adjusting our schedules for our students because if you're a student and we have many students that listen to this podcast as Mm -hmm. well what can they take away and they do to not have a burnout by the end of every quarter every semester i always suggest to my students i always tell my students please have a hobby please have something that you do that is for you and no one else. You know, something, whether it be playing music or playing a guitar or whether it be gardening or whether it be cooking, something that can take your mind off of the stresses of being a student, I think is really important. It's, it's kind of like a form of meditation. Uh, Something that just, I know we do this, we garden a lot, you know, and, and when we're feeling really stressed, we'll just go outside and spend an hour or two out in our backyard and, you know, uh, garden. And that really helps us. And I think our students can do the same thing, Uh, encouraging them to find things outside of the theater that don't cause them anxiety or stress. So what is your hobby, Tim? What do you do to avoid anxiety or stress? Two things. I love gardening with you. I love oh. spending... I know it's really cheesy. Sorry, but we're about to get personal. But I love gardening with you. I love spending time in our backyard. And you know, I love having a backyard, first and foremost, um, and planting new things, watching things grow. And I, uh, the other thing is playing music, uh, You know, playing an instrument, playing my violin, and just having a time to kind of go into my zone, close my office door. And it's something that's for me and nobody else. I think another opportunity that we really have is thinking about our schedule. 
And this goes for no matter who you are, where you are, whether you're a designer or a student or a faculty member or you have your own private studio, thinking about your schedule and really building in time to say, this is my lunch break. Yep. And I'm not going to work through my lunch break, which we all do. Well, and that's the thing too is, you know, our breaks are our breaks. And we have to remind ourselves as professionals, as as artists and as actors Breaks are designed to rest your mind and your body. Yes, go outside, take a breath of fresh air, have it's, a conversation about gardening. <laughs> and I know I've been guilty of this in my own rehearsal process. You know, mm-hmm. I get excited. I, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about a certain project and we're on a break and I see an actor that's sitting in a corner and I may want to go up to them and ask them about, you know, this concept for this idea. But I have to remind myself as a director. You're on break too. I'm They're on, on break, break too. I, and so... I think I'm, with a chorus line, I'm going to make it a, a rule that when break is on break, I'm going to go into my office, maybe close the door and take those 15 minutes, have a snack, you know, quiet my mind. Right. Then, Everyone's on break. That's right. Everybody. And really supporting each other and saying, hey, we're on break. Let's let's all take this moment because otherwise we just keep working and working and working and working and we burn out. And I think that's important as educators to remind that to our students. Absolutely. And another thing I was thinking about was, it, it was specifically with scheduling, is how can we facilitate a schedule that is not outrageously (laughs) long. Like we are having classes. those 15 hour days. Yes. We're having classes at 8 Mm a.m. And then we're in rehearsals until 11 Mm p.m. And then we work Friday and Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. And we're burned out. Students are burned out. Designers are burned out. Everybody's burned out. We have to make a culture where we can say it is okay and we should take days off. We have to build that in. And even someone mentioned this at MTEA about Rachel Chavkin for her, they're in rehearsals oh, yeah, right that's now right. Uh, yeah. for Olympica, uh, I believe, right? It was, it was the gentleman that spoke on the panel from the San Diego theater scene uh, from yes. La Jolla Playhouse. Saying Rachel Chavkin said, uh, we're going to do a five-day rehearsal week. I love that. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, we can do that. And we just need to speak up and say that more. Mm-hmm. Hey, we need days off. Let's do a five-day rehearsal week because we all need a life. Just because we are in theater and we love, love our job and we're so <laughs> passionate about our job does not mean our life needs to become our job. Well, and I've heard of so many, I've heard of so many programs that do these six-day rehearsal processes during the week. And I'm thinking to myself, you're giving you're giving your student one day of rest, one day of mental and physical rest. And it's not really rest because no. let's be honest, they're working, they're doing, they're homework. doing homework, they're they're trying to get caught up. There's so many other things they're trying to fill that time with. And I know with our schedule, I actually really love our schedule and, and I stick to it. And I stand by it is a Monday through Thursday schedule from 6 to 10 p.m. rehearsals. And Friday through Sunday, our students can go work if they need to, to make money, or they can go do some activity that is outside of the theater, or they can catch up on their homework and their studies so that they're maintaining sanity. So they're not feeling like they're digging themselves in a hole 24-7. It's, a mat- it's up to the creative team to be efficient with that time mm-hmm. and make sure that you know everybody's organized and everybody's structured so that you can get everything you need done in a in a four day rehearsal week. I can speak from personal experience. We've been highly successful in getting that done as long as you know we go into the process really well organized. And I think it's just discovering what works for you and and really honestly trying different things. Mm-hmm. Does afternoon rehearsals work? Does doing longer rehearsals you know, less days work is really being okay with playing around and seeing and asking, Hey, what works for you? What has been the most effective for you? And and just really having discussion about it. And also we need to be empowered as educators to say, okay, what am I contractually obligated to? 
and what am I going up? What is the going above and beyond uh, expectations of the job and saying no and being okay with saying you know what this is just a bit too mm-hmm. much to take onto my schedule <laughs> I'm gonna say no to this extra committee I'm gonna say no to being on this search mm-hmm. committee because it is not required and I know that some people are out there they're thinking well I am required contractually uh, I was talking to sure. uh, a colleague um, from another university this weekend and we were talking about how you know I'm all on top of my working schedule, teaching <laughs> schedule. I'm required to be on search committees and right. hiring committees. I'm also the chair. I also have to mm-hmm. do this and this and this office hours, you know, and that's in their contract. Right. You know? Fortunately, a lot of that is not in my particular contract. But everybody's contract is different. Exactly. And I think it's really about setting boundaries. It's really about saying, you know what? I am not in office hours right now. I've got to close my door mm-hmm. or my studio is running from 10, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m to 5 p.m. and that's the only time I'm taking students. Whatever your job is, you have to create boundaries and you have to be okay with saying no and not fearing that, oh my gosh, someone's not going to hire me or someone's not going to want to work with me because I said, I'm so sorry, but unfortunately, I don't have any availability during that time. Exactly. And I, it's my my time. And, and one more point I wanted to speak to just about from the educational component is being okay with putting your out of office email, setting your email to out of the office on you know on a Friday, and being okay with not answering emails. Mm-hmm. I, I'm terrible at this. I, I'll be at first to admit that you know I'll look at my phone because I, darn it, I put my I put my work email on my phone because like we always do. Maybe you should take it off, or maybe you should just turn the phone off, or just put an auto reply and be okay mm-hmm. with not responding until I get back on Monday. The world is not gonna. St- end by me right. not responding to one student's email on a Saturday afternoon. What I have found that's really helped, and I don't know if you've noticed this, Tim, <laughs> <laughs> I leave my phone. I don't bring my phone into the into the bedroom when I go to sleep. Yeah. I leave it outside. Like we have a little nook and I leave it. It's downstairs mm-hmm. and I leave it in my bag and I don't look. And so many times I get to work and be like, did you see that? I'm like, sorry, I'm just now looking at my phone or my students like, did you see my email from last night? No, I, I just got my phone out and I, it has helped me immensely. Well, and there are studies that have shown the effects of actually looking at your phone immediately right before going to bed and how it affects your sleep cycle. Yes. You know, um, and and immediately when you get up. So mm -hmm. maybe try that. Maybe put your phone away or turn it off and don't leave it right by your bedside. Read a a book instead. Fun home. I wanted to to ask you, I just want to kind of flip the coin really quickly and ask you from a performer's uh, perspective. We work so hard and the this eight show a week schedule can be a major grind, especially when you have major when you're performing uh in a major dance musical or in a musical like, for example, Dear Evan Hansen that takes such an emotional toll on the artist uh, day in and day out. Can I ask you, is it okay to call out for the sake of your mental and physical health? Well, I, I, I it, this depends on where you are, what production you're in. And mm-hmm. I know this came up in our Dear Evan Hansen panel that the, the tour that was coming through San Diego, it came up and they did mention this. Yeah, Stephen Christopher Anthony talked about it who's currently playing Evan Hansen on the tour. He has swings and understudies mm-hmm. and they have built it in where he doesn't, they said the Evans don't do two-day shows. Mm-hmm. I completely, absolutely support that. Especially with the kind of mental toll this role takes. Yes, but now we we all do not have that luxury. Mm-hmm. For example, I don't have an understudy for Allison, and there are no understudies in our entire cast. And so we have a five week run. Mm-hmm. I I can't go out. Right. I just can't. Well, you, just, you don't have an understudy. It's you right. and only you. 
and and most of uh, I think right now most of the regional productions I've ever done I cannot remember when I ever had an understudy. Now, I mm-hmm. was actually very fortunate to be a standby for Sweet Charity when we when we did it down in San Diego at the Welk. That's great. For the amazing Natalie Nucci who played that <laughs> role and it was a long run. That's like two or three month run. And so I was her understudy, her standby. I wasn't in the show and I was ready to go on and of course because Natalie Nucci is so amazing, <laughs> she never went out because That's she's right. freaking brilliant. But that speaks to my point, though. I was there, ready to go. If she needed to to, to tab out mm-hmm. one day, I would have been like, heck yes, I'm in. And I had like my own costumes. But that was because that company could afford it. And mm-hmm. it was a really long run. Most of the time, you can't go out. Yeah. So what I would say for performers is to really make sure that you are okay with saying, hey, I, I don't feel well for this rehearsal. I've got to take a step out. And I've done that recently. Mm-hmm. I don't feel good. I've got to take tonight off or I'm not going to be able to get through the rest of the week. In a rehearsal environment. In a rehearsal environment. Mm-hmm. And then I also think if you can't go out because you don't have an understudy is to be able to take your day and say, I have to cancel everything else today. And that's what I do when, I, when I'm when i in rehearsals. Mm-hmm. I make sure I have built into my schedule days off, mm-hmm. time off. And I have to make that choice to say to some friends and family, I'm so sorry. I I don't have any time. Well, when are you free? Well, are you doing anything on that day? Why can't we have dinner on that day? I've got to I've got to rest. rest. I've got to rest my voice. I got to steam. I got to relax. I've got to do something else. So I think what you really have to focus on is building into your schedule time for you and right. being okay with having that time where on your calendar it says just me <laughs> and you need to think about the longevity of the of the role that you're going to be playing if it's a five-week run like you're going to be going through yeah you have to think about how you're going to take care of your body your mind and your voice throughout the course of that five-week run so you can maintain a standard level of excellence each and every night right but does that mean that you have to get up at nine in the morning and start vocal warm-ups at nine in the morning to prepare for a 7 p.m show or a 7 30 show i mean if it works for if you, it works for you but you, you know, know um, whatever works for you, but finding those tools that really do help you, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like some people, I, I, I we don't have children, mm-hmm. but like I have to get up and teach class in the mornings. So if I have eight a.m. classes, then I come home and take a nap in the afternoon because I know what works for me. So if you have children and you have to get them on the on the bus or get them to school and then you have to take a nap after that, it's finding what works for you. That's right. And being able to say, hey, this is what I need. And this is what I, 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 I can't do. So I can do my job the very best I can. So I really think it's just creating boundaries, saying no, and, and being okay with blocking out time for yourself. Because our mental and physical health is extremely important, and mm-hmm. we don't talk about it enough. And we're just scraping the oh, surface yeah. I, right I, now. We're going to go through, uh, I, I imagine down the future, we're going to go through many more uh, episodes that address mental health and the, and the stigma of mental health in the musical theater, especially. Absolutely. But let's start 2020 off with saying, it's okay that I need a day off. Yes, we can declutter. And yes. Let's declutter. Let's do a little bit of spring cleaning. I know it's winter, but let's do a little bit of spring cleaning. <laughs> and let's start, let's start thinking about what we don't have to take on and to avoid that burnout. So let's go back to the answer for the puzzler, Tim. All right. The question was, what musical won the Tony Award for Best Musical in 1984? And the hint was, it competed with Sunday in the Park with George. And the answer is, La La Cage Cage Fall, which was written by Jerry Herman. 
Two in one. That's right. <laughs> so we're going to leave you with a little um, a little soundbite of Jerry Herman singing one of his more famous songs from the musical La Caja Fall, I Am What I Am. It happens to be one of my personal favorite songs in the musical theater canon. And it just gives us a moment to reflect on the life and times of Jerry Herman and the amazing body of work that he gave us throughout the course of his career. So have a wonderful week, everybody. I am what I am. I am my own special creation. So come take a look. Give me the hook or the ovation. It's my world that I want to have a little tried in. My world, and it's not a place I have to hide in.